It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome in to Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott the Huff, producing the show. Um, I like to call him HR to Huff and stuff because he's always sick. I don't know. The guy's been gone again. And that guy is like, he lives in a Petri dish for crying out loud. You know what he needs? He needs some sweet sweat. I, I should send him some sweet sweat. My guys at Sweet Sweat need to send him some vitamins, right? I mean, whether it's vitamins or exercise equipment, whatever the case may be, I tell you what, they are awesome. I've been doing some new keto stuff for them, you know, like the, the keto uh, supplement to help you get into ketosis. And uh, Mike, guess what? Even after a bad weekend of eating, because I had a bad weekend last weekend, I was in the San Francisco area. I was actually in. Uh, well, Santa Clara is where the stadium is, but I was in San Jose, um, and I had a bad weekend of eating. I ate some pizzas, oh, I ate some like carbs, a lot of carbs, chips. Oh my gosh, I did, I did. Two but, bowl chip weekend. Yeah, it was a two bowl chip weekend. But you know what I got? I got, I got on the scale this morning. What I, what do you think I weighed? Uh, I'm gonna say two forty five. Yeah, forty six. Two forty six. Good for so you, I man. So stay, I'm staying on. Yeah, I'm trying to get between forty five and forty, somewhere in there. But they've been helping me out a ton, so we need to send Scott some vitamins to make sure that uh, our little shaver can get himself healthy. Yeah, we got to build up his immune system. Yeah, HR, uh, HR to huff and stuff. That guy spends more time out than he spends at work. Shaky, I mean. shaky immune system. Shaky immune hey, system. Hey, speaking of um, your the game that you called yeah. for Fox, and I, I got a chance to see some of that game, loved your line about Kyle Juszczyk. Oh, he just give that guy another consonant. Right. Um, I mean, he's got more consonants than anybody in, in the history of the NFL. He's got, I think he's got two Z's in his last name. Two Z's. Who's I, got two Z's? I am thoroughly enjoying watching Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, my. Just the way he plays and just the I don't give a damn, I'm going to let it rip mentality that he's clearly playing with right now. He is playing on house money. The dude is just straight playing on house money. He's having so much fun. His his guys love. Like I had a meeting with him, right? And we we have this uh, you know, this teleconference meeting, this video conference meeting with him. And we get done talking, and he's just a joy to talk to, man. I did a whole video about his lion eyes, you know, and we had uh um we had I, I don't know what the background, but I think it was uh, Fleetwood Mac. Um Anyhow, I tried to get Eagles cleared. You can't hide your lion eyes, and, and we couldn't get that cleared. But we got a Fleetwood back sign about lies. Forget which one it was. But anyhow, um, I showed him the video. Man, he could have been happier. He was he just excited to play. But we get done with our meetings, you know, after talking football and and after just getting that inside information. He goes, "All right, talk to you guys later. I got to hang out with my twenty year old friends." You know, because. It's the youngest team in football, yeah. and they've completely revamped the roster. 30 different guys uh, when Brian Flores took over last year. Another 30 different guys on the team this year. Uh, one constant is is Fitz, and I'll tell you this over the course of his career. He has this innate ability to keep both teams in it, right? Because that dude is not afraid to flo- just to, to chuck it into a team meeting. But he is playing great football. He's loose. He knows the inevitability that Tua will eventually take over at some point, and he's going to hold on as long as he can and try to keep playing good football. And it was just fun talking to him, you know, just kind of understanding from a quarterback's perspective what he's trying to accomplish. So here, here's a couple ideas for you, and I thought they were really good ideas, and I try to bring them out to the broadcast. But he's like, listen, first and second down, I'm trying to attack coverage, right? What's the hole in the coverage? Because every coverage has a hole. So, you know, if I'm if I'm cover two, right, 
the rolled up corner and the safety that's trying to get over the top, that, that space on the outside by the sideline between the rolled up corner and the safety getting over the top, we, we call that the turkey hole. I don't know why we call it the turkey hole. It's always been the turkey hole. I've always heard the turkey hole. So I'll call it the turkey hole. I don't know what the etymology of the turkey hole is, but it's the turkey hole. And that's a that's a wide open spot. If they're playing buck cover two, meaning they're running the middle linebacker down the middle of the field, the middle of the field is wide open, right? So you've just got to understand where you're going with the football. So first and second down, he's like, I'm trying to attack coverage. Third down, I'm trying to match up. Who's my best matchup? Where is my best matchup? The other thing that he said that was really interesting to me, Mike, is he goes, listen, I try to eliminate two or three guys. I try to look at what they're in pre-snap and say, all right, I'm not going over there. And then I take my chances. And I have confidence in my arm, confidence in my timing, confidence in my execution, confidence in my accuracy. I'll take my chances. And I'll tell you the other thing, the guy is fearless. He is not afraid. So he's just fun to be around. And we've got a bunch of young players. They've revamped that team. They've started now. They've started three rookies. They lost a rookie left tackle in Austin Jackson. And they moved the right tackle over there. They started two rookies on the right side. I, I was impressed. I was impressed with what they were able to accomplish. And they absolutely, I mean, they just absolutely handled the Niners. What's going on with San Francisco? Is it is it just simply injuries and you know, with the, the just the epidemic of, uh, and, and I use that obviously, uh, you know, in a sports uh context with with everything that's going on with these injuries around the league it's it's opened up for a lot of teams and a lot of fan bases to just sit back and say ah, ah, the injuries you know yeah that, you know, hey 2020 is going to 2020 uh, nothing right, we can do nothing right? we can do about it yeah. but uh I mean, what what's the feeling cuz the, the 49ers certainly have been hit hard with injuries but this is also a team that a lot of us have praised for the way they've built up the depth of their team so did you come away yeah. from your your time with the 49ers like they're making excuses no excuses. for the way they're playing no n- there's no excuse there is no excuse um and Kyle Shannon be the first to tell you that I mean, we're not making excuses i think offensively mike w- one of the things that Kyle said was we have yet to have our first team offense our starters practice together since the super bowl it hasn't happened yet and then they end up starting Jimmy Garoppolo, clearly hampered by his high ankle sprain. Did not like Jimmy throws one of the prettiest balls in football. I mean, he just can flat spin it. He can stay behind it. He can drive the football. He had none of that. He was awful, inaccurate, fluttering balls out. And I think it had to do with being his right ankle being sprained. He was not able to kind of push and drive off his back foot. And so. I think that was a problem. They ended up benching him after the first half where he was just atrocious. Um, I think the other thing is not playing together. They had three or four mental mistakes in the first quarter or the first half, excuse me, that led to sacks. Just upfront breakdowns where Miami got into something. And, and I will tell you this about Brian Flores. He comes from that New England, that New England defensive structure where they have guys that can play multiple positions. So it makes it difficult to designate. And what I mean by that is, like, let's take Kyle Vanoy, for in it, for instance. Kyle Vanoy can line up at the inside linebacker position, he can line up outside linebacker, and he can play D-end. And so oftentimes when you get out of your huddle and you're walking up the line of scrimmage, you have a tough time designating what they're in. What is this defense? 
Are they in a 4-2 nickel? Are they playing a five down front? Are they What are they playing? And so it, it becomes one of those things, those cat and mouse games. And, and Miami did a wonderful job of confusing them up front and getting edges and getting pressures based on confusion. And so that, to me, is an offense that's not experienced. Mostert was out for a couple of weeks. He got hurt in the Jets game. He was out for a couple of weeks. He comes back. And there was a couple breakdowns between communication-wise between guards and centers and the running back on blitz pickup stuff. And so there was a lot of that stuff that went on. The biggest issue, though, Mike, is they pulled two practice squad guys to start in their secondary. Their secondary is decimated. Sounds like you're making a lot of allowances for the 49ers because of their injuries. Well, no, I'm I'm saying those excuses. No, their offense has to be better. Their offense had they probably hindsight being 2020, they shouldn't have played Jimmy Garoppolo. Because my rule is this if you're gonna play, you, first off, you gotta play hurt, you gotta play injured. But if you're gonna play hurt and injured, you damn well better play well hurt and injured, or don't play. Yeah. And so that's that's the issue. Their secondary Mike is is the only guy that Kyle Shanahan was like, you can't replace because he's that good as Nick Bosa. He's like, yeah, there's just no replacing Nick Bosa. But, yeah, the injuries are an issue. There's no question. Depth is an issue. Um, and they've got a murderer's row. They've got the Seahawks, and they've got the Rams, and they've got, um, oh, man, they've got two or three really – like two more really good teams in the next five or six weeks. Um, off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly. Oh, I think I think they have New England in there. Um I mean, it's it is it's a tough sl- it's tough sledding for the next um, for the next five or six weeks. Well, speaking of tough sledding, uh, the Cowboys without Dak mm. and man, you learn a lot about how a guy is thought of by his teammates, but by his peers. Yeah, with the way that both teams reacted when Dak left the field, and then the outpouring of sympathy and support from around the league for this guy. Incredible, right? You see Jason Garrett? Jason Garrett runs across the field to check on Dak. I mean, first off, I did a great job Sunday while I was calling the game because that game was going on. I'm calling the Niners-Miami game, and they go to show highlights of it. I did a great job of averting my eyes. And then – you know, it's Monday, all day yesterday, I averted my eyes. I never saw it. So then I'm watching Giants film because I'm getting ready for my game. This weekend I've got I've got Washington at Giants. By the way, still, nobody's out of it. The Giants are 0-5, right? And they're not out of it. <laughs> that division. I think they're next. I think four Neither's, or five ne- of their next Neither is games. Washington. Right. <laughs> Neither is out they're, of it. They're, yeah, they're all, they're all in it. Um, but... I'm watching that, and I had averted my, I never saw, it, and then all of a sudden, they, the the replays I'm doing has a clip of it, and I was like, whoa, like your your foot is not supposed to be pointing in that direction. But how cool, how cool is this? Um, like you talked about the outpouring, so I'm calling Washington. How about Alex Smith and his return, man? I'm telling you, Mike. Here's the thing that I don't think you really. You're so you're so as a player, you're so myopic in in what you have to accomplish and what you have to do and the way you have to play hurt and the way you have to manage a season and stuff. And you know, I was so focused on and, and selfish on what I have to do, right? 
and you 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 justify by saying, "Hey, man, I'm supporting the family. I'm I'm earning a living." And you know, I was always involved in the family. But during the football season, it was like, "Honey, you got to take care of all these things. I'll see you in the off season." But I got to get, I got to find a way to play. You know, try to play sixteen games, right? And it's it's a task for me. It was a huge task. Um, I mean, I was out the door every morning at at four forty five. I was you know in the facility by five, doing two hours of rehab. So I can get done with my rehab by seven, so I can watch film from seven to nine before I go into my meeting at nine, my team meeting at nine, and then you know, and doing, and then watching film for another two hours after practice. So then I'm I'm home at you know six thirty seven, sit down, eat dinner with the family, and I would literally be by seven thirty every night. I'd be up in my room, packed in ice. That was my weekly schedule. You started all over again the next, and day. it was always that way, and. What what I've learned to understand as I've watched my son go through his professional baseball career and what I was feeling while I was watching Alex Smith take the field is I never really realized what I put my family through about how concerned they were and the emotions that they had and what they were going through until I watched my son go through injuries and you know, and struggling with uh, trying to throw through injuries and all that kind of stuff. And then when I saw Alex Smith take the field, man, I was I was like a petrified father. Like, I was sick to my stomach watching when Aaron Donald jumped on his back. I almost just felt like his leg was going to like collapse. And uh, he took six sacks in that game. Mm-hmm. And he said, he came out and said, you know, I'm reading these clips from, he said, man, I was just glad to get hit. Like, it was that one more step in the confidence build. So, it's just incredible that he was there. And we were talking about it. We started this with Dak, just the, the connection I'm sure those two have. I guarantee you, Alex Smith is a great dude now. I guarantee you he's reached out to Dak to lend support and, hey, man, whatever you need from me, however I can help you walk through this process, I'll be there for you. Uh Absolutely amazing to, to watch him play. One of the, one of the big takeaways from – the aftermath for Dak is just a lot of people, a lot of players coming out and saying, you know, damn, this is why guys got to get every dollar that they can. And the Cowboys, you know, slow played the whole long-term contract. And and now where does this leave? Where does this leave Dak? Yeah. Jerry Jones came out and said that Dak's still our future, but what does that future look like? I mean, are they I, just going to franchise tag him again, or are they going to try to work out a long term right. long term deal? Coming well, obviously, off of- obviously they're going to have they're going to have leverage because now of the injury, right? And they'll get leverage, and I'm sure they'll offer him a really nice deal. And now Dak has to say, "Hey, man, do I trust myself to gamble on me again and and go through another franchise? Like you're not going to lose because his next franchise tag is close to forty million bucks, thirty eight million bucks, or whatever." So if they don't present something that you like, say, screw it. I'll take another franchise deal. You can't franchise me for a third year. I'm still a young guy. And if he plays out of control like he was playing, he was playing great football, then kind of all is forgiven. Somebody else will give him the big money. Or Dallas will have to come and give him big money. So, like, I still think he's in a, I still think he's in a good position that way. But I think there's part of, like, there's part of me, and maybe I just would never – trust myself to gamble on myself like you know just with my history that there's some beauty and security and even if it's less money than he could have or was asking for this this past off season 
Well, yeah. I mean, because it would be okay, within. Let's say, let's say it's let's say it's six years, and let's say that only. And I don't know what like I think Carson Wentz had a hundred and twelve million, like. I don't know what the total guarantees were, but, uh, you know, whatever the total guarantees. Will you take, hey, listen, what I've coming off that ankle injury, take $85 million total guaranteed over six years, and it's a hundred and however many million dollars total, and like 60, 80, 70, whatever it is, guaranteed, it's better than 39 guaranteed or 38 guaranteed, right? So I think there comes. So Jerry a time. Jones wins in the end. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but I don't know if I'm a player and I draft in the fourth round and I'm I got eighty five eighty five million dollars. It's not only generational; it's it's multi generational changing money, right? But I mean, he could have signed for that kind of money this off season, but yet he still. Right, was pushing for but what he felt was his market value. I still think he's going to get he's going to get that same type of money a year later. I mean, Deshaun Watson just signed four years, hundred sixty million with seventy four million guaranteed. All right, so if it's fifty five million guaranteed or sixty million guaranteed, still better than thirty eight. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I like I I still look at Dak as you're playing on house money. You were a fourth rounder. Um, gosh, I hope he's okay, man. You just saw, you know, getting carted off. You got that boot on. You've got tears in your eyes, not because of pain. It's it's the pain of what you're gonna miss. It's the pain of not being there, and you know, and and you know what you're gonna have to go through to get back. Um, just for me, it shows you care. Like I, I just think, I just think that that I understand the injury and I understand all that, but. There's so much more to this game. This is why this game is so freaking good, man. I love this game. There's so much more to being a good football player than just playing football. And that guy, that guy can be my quarterback. Could uh, could Justin Herbert be your quarterback? It's early. It's only it four is, starts. It is early, and he is zero and four in his four starts, but. The numbers averaging about 300 yards passing per game, almost averaging 70%. almost 70 percent completion. I think nine touchdowns, three picks. Quarterback rating up over uh, like around 107. He looks the part. He seems to be passing the uh, early eye test, huh? No question. I mean, here's the thing: I, like he's athletic, he can get outside and do some of those things, you know. And I always talk to you about the 70-30 rule. I want my quarterback to be operating 70% of the time in the pocket and cutting people up and 30% of the time out of the pocket. And a lot of young quarterbacks are reversed. They're only good 30% of the time in the pocket, and, and they got to get them outside and boot keeps and everything. Dude is cutting people up, cutting good teams up. All right, now, listen, I know he's 0-4, but he had a 10-point lead built up over the Kansas City Chiefs. He had a 17-point lead built up over uh, over both Tampa and and New Orleans. And lost those games. Like, that's not all on Justin Herbert. And, by the way, watch him operate from the pocket. Watch him take one in the teeth and still deliver a strike. He's been accurate, especially on the deep ball. He's been, and and understanding, like, understanding what the coverages are, where the weak spot in the coverage are, and how to attack it. Like, he's done that 
and he's nine touchdowns, three interceptions. He's he's been ex- like, there's some good young quarterbacks in this league that you watch play, and you're like, man, the 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 league just based on that alone should be healthy. And I tell you, they they found themselves. Well, I I feel for Tyrod Taylor. Right, you lose your job to a punctured lung because the doctor is shooting you up, and the next thing you know, you'll never play again. Not here, not by. Unless... If that doesn't happen, he's still the quarterback. Yeah, right now, right. So, but Herbert definitely looks the part. Now they, they got to start winning. They got to like. There's something about the Chargers, right? There's something about the Chargers that the, the Chargers going to charge her. Like, they're going to find <laughs> yeah, a way right. That's right. to lose a game. That's right. Regardless of how they start, they're going to find a way to lose a game. And they just are – it's like it's like the city that shall not be named. I can't say the name of the city. But where they originally come from, right? The city that cannot be named. Actually, I think they're originally from L.A., and then they moved to the city that can't. They like they the Voldemort Chargers. Let's just call them that. <laughs> right. the Voldemort Chargers, <laughs> a city that can't be named. There's a certain softness to that city, like a certain soft shoe feel. Like, hey man, let's head down to the beach, have a Corona. No matter how bad it is for you, you walk out of that facility. It's oh. sunny. You go down to the beach. Maybe you have a drink, a cocktail, and a steak on one of them waterfront properties, right? Like it just is like, nah, you know, it's not such a big deal. Stress just melts away. Yeah, it just melts away. Meanwhile, everybody else on the East Coast is grinding. Bill Belichick's up your ass. You know, they're just, you son of a bitch, you suck, you know, and step outside, you step into slush. Yeah. It's cold. In Voldemort, everything is good. Everything's good. Folks, just to clear up here is that uh, the San Diego Chargers, when they moved to Los Angeles, it was a real problem for Mark. He kept referring to them as the San Diego Chargers. So he has removed San Diego from his lexicon. Yes, it is no longer part of my vocabulary. I cannot, as beautiful as that city is, I don't even even use the Padres by their first name. I won't even go, I I just will call them the Padres. And, uh, you know, it's just the zoo now. It's just the zoo. Yeah, Father, forgive me. (laughs) Just go to the zoo, not the best zoo in America. Right. Right there. It's just the zoo. The zoo. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Dan Quinn is one of the good guys of the NFL, isn't he? I texted with him yesterday. Yeah. Just to, like, guys love playing for Dan Quinn. He is one of the great people. And I I think he's a damn good coach. And he's a damn good leader of men. He really, really is. And, Mike, I don't – like, I do not – I honestly don't know what happened. You've talked about this before. Well, go ahead. You, you. I, I don't, they never got over 28-3. to three. They never got over it. And I think sometimes for a franchise, the, the shock, just the, the overwhelming stigma that is created – by blowing a 28 to 3 lead in the Super Bowl. I don't think you ever you, you never overcome it. And I think that no matter how good the guys may be individually, the fact is is that while they're all together as Atlanta Falcons, they're never going to get over it. So Dan Quinn needs to go somewhere else. Matt Ryan may need to go somewhere else. Yeah, did you see that Arthur Blank didn't he gave him he didn't even give him the dreaded vote of confidence. Nope. He just basically said, I don't know yeah, what's going kinda, on. We'll see. We'll see. And I just don't think that and maybe Matt Ryan needs a fresh start. I, I tell you what. He can still play. Let me tell you, he Matt can be Ryan my quarterback. Play. Yeah. But I, I just think that as long as those guys 
still have the the the, the stench of twenty eight to three on them. I don't think they could they could ever get past it. I really don't. And I think that Atlanta did the right thing because I don't think it was ever going to get better. No, no real fault of them, you know. I mean, it is their fault, but it's not their fault because. But you're right. Dan Quinn's going to coach somewhere else. I think he'll be successful. Yeah. I think he'll probably have to go back to being a coordinator, yeah. and and he may get another opportunity. Um, I certainly would if if I was a GM, I'd certainly give him an opportunity. I'm I'm I am I'm not kidding you when I talk about organized leader of men. You know, great practice, like everything about them is first class. And maybe I give him a little bit of a hall pass. Maybe that like. You know, ultimately, it's on you as a head coach to tell your coordinator, "We're twenty-eight to three. Let's eat this thing up. Let's grind this thing down." Um, but I, you know, I feel for Dan. Like I said, I texted with Dan. I texted with Thomas Dimitrov too, uh, because they're good men. Like they're and and that's that's always like you know, not not so secretly. And I there's a lot of people in this business that are that you know I don't necessarily care for. I don't want to pick out curtains with. Dan Quinn's not one of those guys. Dan Quinn's a guy that I really, really respect. That's oh, you walk in, man, treat people with respect. As a matter of fact, I did a I did a game in Atlanta last year, walked in, and Dan Quinn bar- brought in a birthday cake for for Dick Stockton. It was his birthday. Lit it and sang happy birthday to like. He's just a good man, yeah. you know, and so you just wonder the whole. Boy, could could I could I somehow slip into a parallel universe and see where the Falcons would be right now if they won that Super Bowl, if they never blew twenty eight to three? Oh man! And they went on and won. Yeah. Where are they now? It's a great question. You know, it would be drastically different. It's a great. You question. know it. Yeah. Man, I, I, it just again. Um, They'll land on both of those guys will yep. land on their feet, but um, it just is you know it's a it's a hard thing. There's no question. That, that's one thing about this business, man. Um, it's a results oriented business, and if you're not winning, um, especially now more than ever, uh, you know, in the microwavable society that we live in, you're getting fired. Things can change in this league. Reference the Cleveland Browns, oh the God. factory of sadness. Who are now four and one for the first time since 1994, when Bill Belichick was the head coach and Nick Saban was his defensive coordinator? How about that? I may have, I, you know what? I may be on a team that lost to the Cleveland Browns in that four and one start. Go to do, do, do a little Google search. The the Washington Football Team. Um, that's going to be another one that I'm. Gonna, yeah, good yeah, luck working with yeah, that one. Yeah. I'm doing their game this week, and that's going to be tough. 1994, let's see if we won. or I know we played. I'm sure. I'm almost positive we played the Browns. I don't know if it was 94 or 93. might have been 93. But we could we talk, I'll. Yeah, well, you looked that up. But, yeah, I mean, I tell you, I, I didn't think it was going to – I didn't think just changing the coach and Kevin Stefanski was – like it's it's worked, man. Like first off, Stefanski leans on that running game, leans on that style of West Coast offense, and has really managed Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has not been great shakes, and for them to go deeper, they're gonna have to like he's gonna have to be a lot better than he's been. He's been fairly average, Mike. But they run the ball, they control the clock. Their defense is outstanding. 
The four and one Cleveland Browns. The factory of sadness that is no longer. That's incredible. It's incredible. It's flat out incredible. So you weren't part of the '94 team that went three and thirteen. Yes, I was. Oh well, that okay. You did not play the the Browns that year. Okay, it was ninety. Maybe it was ninety-two or nine. It was. It was with Bill Belichick on the sideline uh-huh. with the with the Browns. Yeah. Um, in Washington, maybe it was '93. Anyhow, I, I don't. There are know. just some, and, and and you know, there are some teams in. I'll in tell the, you. Let me tell you a funny story really quick. So Clay Matthews sure. from the Matthews brothers. Yeah. It's like a 10-year vet. Maybe it was 92. I don't know when it was. I don't know when. When did Bill Belichick take over the Cleveland Browns? Was it 91? Maybe it was 91 when we were really good. I don't yeah, know. He was there for a while. Yeah, it might have been 90. Well, anyhow, I'm I'm about to line up, or I'm lined up, and um, we run this little fold where, where the guard, where the, uh, where the, um, Center blocks down, blocks across, and I loop around and, and pick up the middle linebacker. And now I, you know, my head was made of concrete back in the day when I was a young kid and um, just trying to knock myself out. And it was Clay Matthews, Clay Matthews Sr. And he's a 10-year, 11-year veteran playing middle line. Went on to play 19 years, as you know. And I thought to myself, I'm going to run this freaking old man over. We got this full block. I'm going to drop step, and I am going to try to break his freaking jaw. And I did it, and wham! I mean, it was like running into a freaking cement pillar. And I was like, whoa, that's a little different dude right there, right? Uh, yeah, so Clay Matthews should be in the Hall of Fame. The guy was 19, and he just wasn't compiling. That dude was a damn good football player. Should be. I if. If I had a vote, Clay Matthews, he's not in, is he? I don't think he's made it. I think he's been up a couple times. Has he yeah. made it? Clay Matthews should be in the Hall of Fame. So I think the league is just a better league when when certain teams are good. Yes. And you, know, you don't normally think of Cleveland as one because they've been so bad for so long. Right. But I just think it would be a much better, more fun NFL if the Browns could be good again. Yeah, and it's the same thing as the Raiders. We same thing as the Raiders. The time. When the Raiders are good, the league is better. And how about that victory? Wow. Where'd that come from? How about hanging 40 Where on, did the, that come on the from? Chiefs? I've told you this for a while. Is that a Raider? Like this thing was you, you, it was building towards this? Or was that just a bad, bad day for the Chiefs? Well, I think, I mean, they still gave up. The Raiders still gave up 32. So that's going to be their Achilles heel. But... Hey, listen, they have built this team from the inside out. They have built it on a running game where they're going to stay committed to running the football, committed to, to you know, being physical up front and having that play-action stuff open up. And what's really happened is they built their team that way from the inside out, and then you know what? They put the weapons around it. This Waller kid has developed into one of the best tight ends in football that nobody talks about. Um, they've had a couple other guys that they went out and got in free agency and then you know, on the outside, and then they uh, they got Henry Ruggs, who can flat run, and made some spectacular catches. Like they have, they have built this team. Like I always think, the right way from the inside out, and you saw it pay dividends, man. Hanging forty on in Kansas City in Arrowhead. Um, I tell you the the rate, and I said this in the off season, and people, a bunch of people, poo pooed me. Um, you know, there's a bunch of people that were talking to the Broncos were going to go on a run, right? And I was like, pump your brakes. I told you from day one that I thought 
the Raiders could be the second best team in this division. And um, that's that's true. You did, and they're they're doing it right now. I mean, good. Well, it's it's bad for us here in Denver. Well, you and I live in Denver, but it's it's good for the Raiders, man. It's well, good for Vegas. we were talking about Justin Herbert earlier, and you know we talked a lot during the offseason about Drew Locke. Tell you what, for my money, I'll take Derek Carr over both of them. I've always liked Derek Carr. I've always thought Derek Carr's got a bit of a raw deal. Right. And and this is a guy who's who's showing that if you could put some pieces around, he had nobody to throw to last year. Darren Waller, and that's it. Nobody in, in the last couple of years. You're yeah. right. Like and you give him some the people to work with, he's a damn good quarterback. Yeah, and he gets some confidence, and then all of a sudden John Gruden actually likes him instead of looking to replace him, you know, because you know John has always got the wandering eye for quarterbacks. He's like a philanderer when it comes to quarterbacks. Like, his eye is wandering. So, um, yeah, I, you know what? I, I tell you what. Um, like you said, league's a better place if the Browns are good, which, you know, they look to be good right now, and the Raiders are good. You know what else is really good? Our folks at Sweet Sweat. SweetSweat.com for all your information. They're the presenting sponsor of this show. The other, the other way, Superbook. And by the way, we'll talk about that with Jake Cornegay on Thursday. But uh, we both had a decent, solid week. Both yeah, are two I'm still and one. Your ass. I'm still yeah, kicking no, your you're ass, right. I didn't make. I didn't gain any ground, but no. at least I stabilized things a little bit. You stabilized things a bit. <laughs> you know. I'm kind of pulling away from you right now. <laughs> that's right. I got to keep you within grasp. I got to yeah. keep you within sight. Yeah. For America's best bet, that's Super Book. Uh, hey, man. For everybody involved in the Stinky Truth podcast, we appreciate you. We're back with you later on in the week.